Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Probably True. This week I'm talking with writer and podcaster Hugh Lemmy about a hookup in Spain that took an unusual turn. And I had this like sort of strange feeling of something was going to happen. But first, a quick thank you to Andrew Deakin and Dr. Alfredo Carpanetti, both of whom have become patrons of the show by essentially buying me a drink on the internet. If you find value in these lovely little filth casts and would like to have your name join theirs in the Scrolls of Glory, just visit patreon.com forward slash probably true. If, like me, you find yourself a little short on cash, you can also spread the love by telling your friends how great the show is. Preferably tell your richer ones first, but I'm not that picky. Right, enough of that. Off we go. You're listening to Probably True. Please be aware that this podcast may contain strong language and adult themes. It would be boring without them. Picture the scene, it's sort of 4am in the morning, but I haven't been misbehaving, I've just been like up late. Studying thinking. the Bible. <laughs> Studying the Bible, yeah, saying my <laughs> prayers. I, I can't remember, I had a deadline or something like this, and I was sort of, you know, um, things were dragging on, I spent too long on Wikipedia or something. And it was 4am and uh, I was home alone, so I was going to go to bed, and I brushed my teeth and turned off the lights and shuttered up the <clears throat> the windows. And then obviously just like did a last sort of check of all the apps. And I had a message on Grindr from this guy. And there was just something sort of mysterious. He hadn't, there was an energy to his message and to his profile. It was like, it was very sparse. It was headless, but it wasn't like a naked torso. It was just like, he was discreet. And he sent this message, which was just like, can I suck your dick? That was his first message. And normally like that's a real turn off. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to kind of be seduced a little bit, you know, just whapping it out and sticking it in someone's mouth. Yeah, and I don't know why I said yes. Because <laughs> it was 4am, probably. Because it was 4am, and I think, I think that's an aspect of it, like, I was like, oh, well, it won't be a wasted night, you know, I can, tomorrow I can say, well, I wasn't just, like, up on Wikipedia all night. It's kind of tragic. So he... Um, I think we've all been there, though. Yeah, we have, yeah. Uh, he came over um, in about 10 minutes, and as soon as I opened the door, I got this very intense vibe off him. He was sort of young, like I'd say, like mid-twenties, maybe. He wasn't particularly big. He wasn't, like, taller than me or broader than me or anything. But he he just he walked straight into my house as soon as I opened the door, like, barely a hello. And I had this, like, sort of strange feeling of something was going to happen. And part of that was slightly terrified, you know, like, I don't... Maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe mm. this is the uh, tragic end that you're sort of led to believe you're going to have as a gay man. And was that... Uh, was that kind of scary or was that a little bit exciting? Or? It was both. It was okay. both. And I didn't really know how to take it, but he just walked, sort of walked straight in and asked for a glass of water. So I got him this glass of water. And the house was very dark anyway. It was like a sort of uh, low ceiling, sort of Spanish apartment, like lower level apartment with these sort of cold tiled floors and the windows were shuttered. So, so it was really sort of a little cave in there which sort of added to the atmosphere, I guess. And I turned off all the lights except for one in the hall and then my bedside lamp. I gave him a glass of water. He said, thank you. And then he walked straight into my room 
And so I followed him in. And then he turned the light off. You know, we, we hadn't spoken at this point. And he just walked straight over to the light and turned it off. And I, I was sort of judging myself a bit. I was like, he doesn't want to see me. You know, like, there's sort of insecurities mm-hmm. might come out. Like, maybe this is what he's looking for. But then, then suddenly, like, I felt his hands on me. And then, so we started to have sex. And we're making out a bit. And then the sex was really strange. Like, he was younger than me, but he it had this sort of, it was very, it wasn't quick, like, wham, bam. But it was, like, trying one thing and then after, like, 30 seconds shifting trying something else you know the way he was interacting with my body was like very disjointed and i could just tell like as a sort of person who gets anxious myself that he had some like he was really in his head but it, it, he was quite aggressive about it but he was like also quite submissive you know like power bottomy i don't know so i was, I, I felt this strange I, I couldn't really figure out what was going on like he didn't really know what he was doing almost anyway so he continues like this for sort of 15 minutes and then he's asking me to be like quite aggressive towards him you know like to slap him and stuff you know like and um, were you enjoying this and, and like the disjointedness was it was it really distracting or were you kind of getting into it a bit or i was kind of getting into it because i think i read it as he's kind of kinky and then like he doesn't yeah and then that, that was his vibe you know mm-hmm. so i was like okay something this is kind of interesting like it's not just like someone wanting to get off quickly not quite what you signed up for but give yeah, it a go sure yeah. sure and <laughs> But he was, he was like quite kinky. Like he was like asking me to spank him basically mm-hmm. and stuff like this. So I was like, sure. And then he said, stop, stop, stop. And I was like, okay, sure. And he's like, uh, I'm really sorry. I've just never done this before. And I thought he was talking about like being more kinky. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's fine. We can just make out whatever. And he's like, no, I've never been with a man before. Dun, dun, dun. I'll be back with more from you after this. I don't want to say like a lightning strike, but almost like someone had just like ripped a piece of paper in half. Like I'd been in one world, one dynamic, one form of relationship where I'd assumed quite a lot about this guy in terms of like what he wanted, his power dynamics, you know, like the aggression with which he came into the house and said what he wanted and started doing it. Mm, Which is kind of sexy. Which is, yeah, which was kind of sexy. And then this suddenly like, I have no clue what I'm doing and this is terrifying for me. So so obviously like I stopped and uh, I sat on a bed with him and uh we had like a long conversation like maybe 45 minutes to an hour but he was closeted obviously Mm. um he was he was visiting he didn't live in the city he had a girlfriend back home and he had this sort of very very seemingly well-off conservative american life family orientated around you know like the yacht club almost the country club like your dad's deciding what you're gonna do you know he was and he was full of all this like immense sadness about you know like being forced into this was this sort of lifestyle it's nice that you were you were there for him for that more than anything. I mean, so many people would have just been like, "Oh, all right, fine, leave then if you're not going to have sex with me." And yeah, so I mean, it was nice I guess. to be. It's good that you could like lend an ear and 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 listen to him. I mean, I hope so. I hope you found it useful. But I was really torn in this conversation because I didn't want to scare him off. You know, like because he asked me about my life, and I was like, "Well, I live here with my boyfriend. Like, he's working away at the moment. He's like, you got a boyfriend?'" And I'm like. Well, yeah, but we have an open relationship, and that was like a totally alien to him, mm-hmm. concept, obviously. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm a writer, like blah blah." And so like, oh, I really want to be a writer, but my dad says I have to do this or that. And yeah, we we talked about it a bit, and there was and there was also this other feeling. There was like it was a very tender moment because like I was kind of just holding him, which he was happy happy with, you know. Like I was like, mm-hmm. "What can I do in this situation where like I can just like put my arm around this person?" And there's a, I don't know, there's a few other things. One of which is I realised 
contrary to like what I was like when I came out, which was a long time ago, I was quite young. I think he had learned basically most of what he knew about being gay from porn. So I realized that this disjunctive, in some ways, kinky sort of things that he was asking me to do was because he, they were all things that he'd seen and had turned him on. Yeah. And he was trying to reenact it. But then obviously he was seemed to be locked in his head quite a lot. So like it wasn't necessarily enjoyable or it was scary or, you know, like, but he was like throwing himself at a deep end. It's like, this is why this is what I've seen. And I, I found that very strange as well. And afterwards I felt really guilty because I, I kind of feel like if he explained it from the start, which obviously he probably couldn't find the words to do it, you know, like he, d- he didn't go there looking for a shoulder to cry on. Like he wanted to go there to explore his sexuality in practice or something. But if I'd known that, then I would have been totally different in the way mm. I approached sex with him. But it sounds like, you know, you did the best you could with the knowledge you had at the time. As things unfolded, you, you dealt with it and you adapted your behaviour. You, you weren't just like, all right, well, this is what it's like with a man. Bang. This is what really fucked me off, is that that is a burden that's put on gay people the whole time. I didn't ask to be put in that position. Like, mm. I went online at 4am and someone said they wanted to come over and suck me off. So that, <laughs> that's, that's what I signed up for. Yeah. And then half an hour in, I'm obliged. I mean, not obliged, but I feel like as a person who had the capability to do it, like you, you kind of are obliged or, or there, you do have some sort of moral responsibility in a situation if you can provide some support to do it. But like, that doesn't happen with... Well, maybe it does happen with straight people. Especially women have to probably provide a lot of that emotional care. Suddenly, like, 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m., I had to, like, switch into this mode of, like, a counsellor because his own environment he grows up in, his own family, all his friends, who he said, like, I can't tell any of my friends this because I'll, I'll, I'll never have any friends again. Wow. When, like, when he said that, I was like, why, why is it, like, as a gay person, you suddenly are thrown into this role of counsellor because of giving unconditional love, basically, because all these people that are supposed to care about this person don't have the capability to give him unconditional love because they're own bigotry. Mm. I mean, I'm sure that if he came out, actually, loads of his friends would probably support him. We'd like to think so. I mean, it would be difficult, obviously, but to like be someone's, someone's counsellor or parent figure in this, in this mm. situation because people in his own life can't give him love. And I was like, Why? that's this that's sort of strange, I'm your new mommy now, so I <laughs> to offer this support. But like it, that is like a key... F- thing in like gay families like chosen queer families so you meet people it's like you you have to like suddenly take these roles and that's i guess that's one thing i do like and like people obviously did it for me when i was a teenager and in my early 20s so i'm glad that you know you can pass on for somebody else mm. it made me really angry at the time when he left i was i was really pissed off that um that he lives in an environment where there is no offer of unconditional love and he had to turn to a stranger on the internet, which, I mean, that could have gone horribly for either, for both of you as well. So, yeah. like, well done on, on on doing what you could, I mean. And I got quite a lot of out, out of it as well in the end because I began to think about the way that you perceive people online, oh, Grinder and stuff like this. When you perceive people, obviously, in the best, they, they're giving their best side. And quite often you, have, you can have quite unpleasant experiences when you meet people. And that was not, un- I mean, it wasn't pleasant, but it wasn't like, unpleasant but sometimes you know you you can go into experiences where you get quite bruised where people can be quite cruel to you and stuff like this or you can get ghosted or you know all these sort of aspects and now I really really thought it through seeing somebody who he was in such a moment of crisis that he couldn't help but be vulnerable but to realize actually a lot of people are very vulnerable when they use apps because they are trying to explore a lot of emotional issues that they're 
struggling with themselves through a physical relationship in some way, which, you know, is fine. Like that is, that is what a lot of sex is. And that's what's interesting, exciting and good about it. But at the same time, if you're perceiving that everyone you meet is like switched on and comfortable and happy with themselves. And able to cope with whatever you need to talk about. Yeah. Mm. And then they do something cruel to you. You can't help but then take that on yourself. I had this like vague memory, like coming back to me at the time, which was before I came out or when I was like very young, there was something vaguely unsettling about happy gay people. Happy gay people, when you're an unhappy gay person, a terrified gay person, and you're not out or you're struggling with it, there's something almost threatening about it or very disconcerting, you know, that like, yeah, I don't know, well, that was my memory. So I didn't want to say to him, like, you have to do this or you have to do that or like, you can have this or anything like that. I just just like, don't beat yourself up about any desires you have. Like, you can choose whatever route you want to go down. There's no path set out for you, but don't, don't feel either scared or disgusted by something that you feel. Mm. I don't know. When I, I mean, I've mentioned a couple of times when I was growing up, the happy gay guy was always like 21 and blonde and had perfect teeth and was usually had a six pack and was just in some pants on the cover of a magazine. And it, if you weren't that image, yeah, then you weren't doing gay properly. And yeah, definitely, yeah. And but then, all, but then also, like, there's there's a strange thing I think where you see something and you you don't want it but you're also annoyed you can't have it. I had the same feelings, but I didn't, in my heart of heart, want to be that person. But I was annoyed that I couldn't be the person I wanted to be. And I guess since then, for example, sometimes you're chatting with somebody and like it's going really well and you're being really flirty or whatever, or you're saying what you want to do and things, and then you're like, okay, we'll come over. And then they, they disappear. Hmm. And I've re- like, I think I would have been really hurt by that in the past. Whereas now I think when that happens, I think, you know what, sometimes you have to do that when you come into terms of your sexuality or you're working through something. You're experimenting, you know, you want to see what someone says to you, blah, blah, blah. But then when it comes to it, you just don't want, you just can't go through it. You're too anxious. You've got too many issues going on. So actually, if we don't, if we stop centering ourselves in our, in our sexual relationships with hookups as well, and actually give a bit of generosity towards other people that we're around, then it can actually produce a lot of rewards for ourselves and can give you a lot more sense of self and security. So like now I don't get upset particularly when I encounter like rejection or cruelty on, on apps. I kind of try and put myself into their position and think, oh, well, I wonder what they're going through in order that that's the way they have to express themselves, blah, 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 which is like a super hippie thing to say, but I think is, is a, a, a valuable lesson that I learned from that experience. Like it's really not to do with you at all. Uh, you're, you're just this collateral damage in their own, in their own life sometimes. So yeah, it's a, um, it can feel very horrible because you're thinking about yourself, but actually if you center them in their own sex life, then those things stop being so bad. And then also when things do go well and you're, you're a more generous, thoughtful lover, I guess. I mean, the sex is better than, than, the anxious neurotic sex of <laughs> am I hot if this person fucks me then it's proof you, you can't really second guess the nature of someone else's desire anyway there are a lot of people who are maybe like stereotypically hot the hottest person around but the thing they're into is not other hot people anyway I mean thank god <laughs> <laughs> there's hope for all of us yeah you can't you can't you can't second guess other people's tests, the, the, the desires and tastes and if they express an interest in just take it in good faith that they mean it they're not playing some sort of game with you 
what would you say to people who are in the similar position to your gentleman caller? Oh, well, it's hard because I've not been in that situation now for like almost, I don't know, 20 years. Go easy on yourself. You don't have to make any decisions now. You can take things at your own pace, experiment, see what feels good. If you have a feeling, yeah, like that's kind of what I said to him was just go easy on yourself. Try not to feel guilty about any desires you feel. Just try and see how they feel first Mm. of all. And that also goes not just for like feeling guilty about being gay in the first place or for those same sex desires, but also for me, I think what the vibe I got off this guy was that he was also really terrified about having to be a certain type, fit into a certain type of gay life or gay culture. I wanted to say to him, like, you don't have to adopt all that. Just find your own way into like what you feel comfortable with. If you still enjoy doing something like this or like that, or you want to try something new, just... Yeah, don't beat yourself up about it. Yeah, you're not wrong. Okay, and then the other group, I suppose, would be the people who are in your position who are just after getting their dick sucked or their bum spanked or whatever, and then suddenly they find themselves with this very vulnerable person who needs someone to be more emotional support than just kind of sexual gratification. What would you say was a good piece of advice for anyone who does find themselves in that position? Just try and be open to that person's needs in that moment. I don't know, life's not fair, and this is part of being part of a gay community or being part of a gay culture is you have to support your brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and that's what's so nice about it and that's why people can come out and be ostracized by our families and still find some semblance of people who understand them because it's far from perfect culture but there are these legacies of like looking after vulnerable people enough times where i've been in a gay bar and seen a steaming drunk 21 year old and people who who don't know this person have no need to give up their time or whatever for this person, we'll take care of them and we'll get them in a taxi or take them home or, you know, get them in the water because we've all been in that situation of being lost and scared and uh, trying to find someone who will look after us when often our families and the people we grew up with weren't. There's a guy I follow on Twitter who repeatedly retweets this same tweet, which is, be brave enough to be kind. I think that's like a really interesting thought. It takes a lot of guts to be vulnerable enough to actually step back and and be kind to that person. I think we'd all do better if we were brave enough to be kind. So where can people uh, follow you, find you, stalk you if they want to on the interwebs? Where are you? Um, I'm on Twitter at Hugh Lemmy, H-E-W-L-E-W-M-E-Y. I've got a podcast as well called Bad Gays Podcast that I co-host with Ben Miller. I'm also an author. I've got a new book just coming out, which is called Red Tory. And my last book was called Chubbs. Cool. And they're available uh, at all good booksellers, presumably? Uh, yeah, I think so. Excellent. Yes. And also maybe uh, don't just um, hook up with a random stranger at 4am wanting... Oh, no, that's bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually fine. Like, why not? Try it. Yeah, I, I nearly said don't go straight to Hugh for, you, for your emotional support unless it's you're going to suck him off afterwards, but yeah. I thought that was even worse. <laughs> that was probably true. The repeatedly award-winning storytelling series created by me, Scott Flashheart, to remind all of my queer brothers and sisters that we are none of us alone. You can find transcripts of every episode, links and other things at probablytruepodcast.com. There's additional content and other lovely stuff available to subscribers at patreon.com forward slash probablytrue. And if you want to get in touch, just search Probably True Podcast on the socials. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.